Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks, thanks for listening. Before we jump into our episode on Greece, we just wanted to say a massive thank you um, for tuning in. We've been like really overwhelmed by um, how many people are listening and engaging with this podcast. So, um, yeah, we just wanted to say thanks. We really appreciate your support. You guys are amazing. Um, thank you to everybody who who listened and downloaded. If if you're able to rate our podcast on uh, on on iTunes podcasts and like share it around, so we can get even more people listening, uh, we would really appreciate that. Uh, we we've been getting a lot of great comments as well uh, from people like uh, saying whether they agree with what we think, whether we disagree. We love all of that, and we're we're reading them all and loving them all, and like all the suggestions that have been. Uh, put forward we are like slowly implementing uh we're recording this at a different time to to when we recorded the the episode you're about to hear um but but yeah we're 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 taking all the the constructive criticism on board and we really appreciate it yeah discourse is excellent we love hearing your thoughts and uh we really appreciate um all your input speaking of thoughts here are our thoughts on greece (laughs) take care everybody enjoy It's a feminist podcast. Hello, welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. My name is Millicent Saar. I'm Ella Stolen. And this is the feminist podcast where we take movies and musicals and pop culture phenomena. Whatever we feel like. Yeah, it's our damn podcast. <laughs> and we just dissect them through a feminist lens and potentially ruin them Ellis, I feel like there might be some ruining happening today. There might be, because today we are talking about Greece. Yeah. I think when we started this podcast, and when we <laughs> discussed starting this podcast, we kind of knew that Greece would be one of the first ones that we do, because, you know, it's a movie and it's a musical, it's a really good cross-section, and kind of everybody knows about Greece. And everybody is just really aware of the fact that it's problematic. When I um, told, like, my boyfriend that we were going to do Grease, he was like, it's low-hanging fruit, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a bit of an easy target, really. We're talking about um, feminist critiques, um, but we're going to do it anyway. But I hope also we'll find some redeeming qualities and we'll hopefully have some robust discussion without just totally shitting on a beloved film I and think, musical. I think part of the reason we want to discuss it is it is so beloved. It's a really common musical to be put on, especially on like a community level. Yeah. There are like arena tours of it. There was a live staging of it that was recorded uh, on and broadcast on TV not too long ago. People just keep doing Grease. People love Grease. People love Grease. And we, I think we should ask why do people love Greece and should they still love Greece? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, obviously we're going to critique some of the more problematic elements of Greece. 
And we thought we'd like get that out of the way. Like we don't want this to just be an hour of us being like, Greece is terrible. Here are all the ways that it defies feminism. More like Greece isn't the word. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> get out, Elsa. Um, but basically, we're going to like try and get all of our critique just up front. Be like, here are some things. We just watched it. We had probably a better time than we care to admit. <laughs> but we were, we like jotted down the 10 things that we were like, top 10, this is a real problem <laughs> in Greece. The top 10, we need to give it like a jazzy name. Um, <laughs> top 10 ways Greece isn't the word. <laughs> You're really on this. I'm really, it's, it's, look, I came up with one joke. I really enjoyed it. Great. And I'm just trying Milk to shoehorn it. it in there. Milk it. Uh, All right, so number 10, a way in which Greece is not the word, at least not a feminist word. Give us number 10, Ellen. So there's a little song in Greece called Greased Lightning. Oh, how does, how does that one go? I, I've never, I've never uh, heard it before. Uh, start Greased Lightning, you're going really fast down the, the street. Oh, oh, thank you, you know, so you much. You know that yeah. street. Yeah, ring, that ring some bells, ring some bells. <laughs> um, look, I, I remember when, when we were watching it just then uh, – we got up to the Grease Lightning scene and in my head I'm like, oh, actually, this will be a really nice uh, example of male bonding and doing something constructive and, like, you know, working together to to better yourself. Uh, And then they started saying things like, the chicks will cream. She's a real pussy wagon. We'll be getting lots of tit. And very quickly just divulged into them being really vulgar and gross and it's like the only reason we're doing any of this is to get women. Get some. And it, it was just just kind of gross. And particularly a song that is so entrenched in the cultural landscape. Yeah. Like it's so iconic. Everyone knows the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you do the clap bit exactly. when the clap bit comes exactly. up. And like it's a karaoke hit. Yeah. yeah. It could have just been a great song about these guys loving their car. Did they really have to just put in this disparaging language about women in there? Was that really necessary? It wasn't really. The other thing that wasn't necessary was number nine on our list, which is, like, you could argue it's just a product of its time. But there's some real casual homophobia thrown around there. Like, at the dance competition, they that their number one rule is that all the couples must be a boy and a girl and then the other characters immediately start picking on somebody in in a homophobic way. Yeah, and it's just, poor Eugene. It's it's just it's just it's it's there and it stands out and it didn't need to be. And I, I like I get it. It was made like the the movie was made in 1978 based on a 1971 musical. Like people people weren't with it on the the homophobia front mm. then. But it was just it was just really casually thrown in and not necessary. Not necessary. Yeah, so that's another way in which... That's number nine on number the way nine. in which Greece is not the word. <laughs> I'm so uh, mad that I've gotten done you're, to this you're now. You're into it now. I'm doing it. Um, What's number I, eight of? Uh, I, actually, I just, want, I just want to throw in at this point in, in the product of its time section, we also think there's only one person of color in the entire yes. film. And as far as we could see. Like a guy in the band at the dance. Yeah, not, not even the like guy. a named character or anything. Just, a, just one, one African-American fellow yeah and it's like and while we were talking about this before while you could argue that it's like meant to be set in the 50s and you know segregation was still rife 
in the 50s in the US. Like nothing else in the movie is like, yes, this is an accurate representation of high school in the 1950s. Like the actors are in their 30s. In the final <laughs> sequence, Danny and Sandy ride Grease Lightning off into the clouds. They're not going for realism. They're not going for realism. So if you if there were some black people in the cast or people of any other racial minority, nobody would be like, wow, that's inaccurate. That is the reason I don't like this movie. Absolutely. Nobody's going to say that. No. What's number eight, Mim? So number eight is the section where they're in the diner and the, the lads are talking. Like the, the lads. The B-grade lads. The, the non-Kinnickies and Dannys, i.e. the ones whose names I don't know. The all. ones whose songs got cut from the yeah, stage exactly. musical for the movie. So the lads are having a chat um, and one of them's like, oh, what are you going to do for the other 23 hours and 45 minutes? Of the day, which is a nice little insinuation um, that their um, sexual relationships, or not even sexual relationships, sexual experiences <laughs> um, are lasting like a solid 15 minutes, which is just like that's if they're having these. I can't, why am I sounding such a dog today? <laughs> if these interactions are with women. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not that's not a taking the time to um, care about the pleasure of your partner. <laughs> on on top of that, it it says that it, it's essentially saying that all a relationship with a woman is good for is sex. The fifteen all the, fifteen minutes all fifteen minutes of sex quite reductive. <laughs> and and it's like well you know there is a lot more to a relationship with anyone. Aside from 15 minutes, apparently. Mm. Um, you'd hope so. You, you'd hope. You'd want, it, just, it just felt it felt icky and reductive. Yeah. It's icky and reductive. Yeah. That's like, number eight that's on number our eight. things that are wrong with Greece from a feminist perspective. What's number seven, Ellis? Number seven. We're jumping back to Grease Lightning again. There's a moment where after the car is completed, uh, Danny pulls out... A, a tube, a roll of glad wrap, and suggestively kind of like unravels it across his crotch and then wraps it around the car. And for the first time, I'm sometimes really slow with kind of picking up on on impl- implications, especially really obvious ones that I'm like, there's no way there's anything behind that. <laughs> um, just like uh, suggesting using glad wrap as uh, a condom which i mean points for using protection yeah at all. But, but also like don't try this at home like that would not be an effective contraception or any barrier for any you know std don't use glad wrap as condoms kids i i also just thought it it was another needlessly uh tasteless part of quite a good number Mm, like it's a it's a freaking bop. It's a great Grease song. Lightning is great. The Corey's great. The dream sequence where they go into the white landscape and they yeah. It's it's like it's all... all really good. And then every now and again they just like interrupt it with this quite just grossness that is very unnecessary. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about the severe issues with the toxic masculinity that this film has. Um, or the portrayal of masculinity as being really toxic. And I think it just plays into that as well. Like these guys can't 
express themselves and express or like feel manly or powerful or confident without it being really, really hypersexual. Speaking of being hypersexual, yes, Mim, what's number six? Oh, okay. So Ellis and I have differing views of this line. Um, I believe the exact phrase is a hickey from Kanuki is like a hallmark card. Um, and while while it's gross, like you've got to give the writers credit. Like it's a it's a bit of a zinger. It's a great. You can tell line. they like high fived each other when they came up with it. Like, oh, it's such a winning one liner. But also, it's so gross. Like, it's such a. To me, it just reeks of, um. Like having a possessive relationship over somebody because of your sexual ties to them. It's like, oh, I've I've like tagged you now. You've got my, you've got my brand on your body. So, ah. Gross. Like, I w- kind of want to make the argument that I think it's it's quite an effective line. In I, Like, I feel like the intention is to kind of suggest that the relationship between uh, Kaniki and Rizzo is a bit gross and not great and that the behavior isn't... Like, I want to hope that the movie isn't, like, quite condoning that kind of behavior but I don't think the movie is smart enough or aware no, I don't enough. No, I don't think it's self-aware. Like, there are so many douchey moments where we're both like, is this meant to be, like, taking the piss out of itself or does it actually think it's cool <laughs> in this moment? And I think it thinks it's cool. Oh. But also, you know, we're looking at it very much with, like, a 2020 lens of what is cool now rather than what was cool... In the 70s. In the 70s. Um, but even still... I'd, yeah, I, I don't think it's self-aware to be trying to, like, um, pass a comment about, like, um, unhealthy, toxic relationships. And I think it's really well exemplified how unaware they are in our number five entry to the list. Oh, man. Which uh, comes from the song Sandy, or <laughs> or Left at the Drive-In, or whatever it's called, Um the one where Sandy storms out at the drive-in movies and Danny sings his song. <laughs> Sandy with the absolute zinger. Um, what? what is it like? Get me out of this sin wagon? <laughs> you can't expect me to stay here with you in this, <laughs> in this sin, sin wagon. wagon. Which I'm just now going to adopt into my ev- everyday vocabulary. I think everybody should. Um, like I think me and my poor driving probably could be referred to. You could earn my car the name. A sin wagon. <laughs> but after Sandy has stormed out of the sin wagon, uh, which is also like a cooler drag racing name than Grease Lightning. Yeah, absolutely. Like you rock up to a race in the sin wagon. Like nobody's going to want to mess with you. Anyway, um, there's a spoken word section where Danny says the phrase, Sandy, my darling, you hurt me real bad. In a song where he is completely unaware of how disrespectful he was to the woman he's trying to date like he danny 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 he kind of like he kind of like manipulates and gaslights her at the beginning saying no i totally didn't dance with another person at the dance that i was televised and everybody saw yeah and i also didn't go with her but i i went with her oh man and then he he like hits her trying to take off his ring uh, and then then feels her up, and then she storms off, and he's like, oh, you hurt me so much by not putting up with like, my terrible behavior. responsibility for your actions, man. 
Come on. Oh. Danny, 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 Danny. Mim, what's number four? Oh my God. Freaking Vince Fontaine. He's this like sleazy TV presenter who comes to the school for this televised dance and is like hitting on all the freaking high schoolers. You're a grown man and granted all of the women who are playing these high schoolers are grown women also but, <laughs> but like, the characters are not the, the characters are like high school aged children vince fontaine <laughs> stop hitting on the minors oh man oh, that, vince that, fontaine gets a big old thumbs down from me just real gross real icky and just no i don't, don't like it what's number three ellis number three like this is another example of you not realizing something until like a much later viewing. But this one is justified. This one's justified. There's a line where um, uh, Jan, one of the pink ladies, and I think it's Roger. I think it's Roger. The, the, the T-bird, the, the blonde one. He looks like um, Rolf, Rolf from, from The Sound of Music. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like talking and he's, he's trying to be kind of sweet and he's like saying it's like it's really nice like going out with you. You're, you're a really understanding person. Mm. Um, and then he says the line, I always knew you were more than just fat. And we, when, when we watched it, I've never, I've never heard or remember hearing that line before. When we were watching it, we paused it and rewinded like multiple times. Wait, did, did, he to, just like, did we mishear that? that? Because in no stretch of the imagination is the actress playing Jan overweight. No. Like, it, it, like if, <laughs> if she were, it'd be... Lovely for him to have that sentiment, especially like in that time period. Yeah, but she's she's just as small as all the other women. When when, she, like, when where her is body the fat type representation, when her body type is identical to everybody else's, and yet she's somehow supposed to like they've got her dressed in this really oversized cardigan, which I think they were trying to make her look bigger than she actually mm. is. But if anything, it makes her look smaller because it's really obvious yeah, that she's the like cardigan's oversized. And, yeah. and and I'm like and I'm watching it and the entire way through, Jan's making references to like, oh I need to be on a diet or don't let me near the snacks. When she is like Almost, if she turned on her side, I would lose track of where she was. She's that small. <laughs> where did Jan go? And I'm like, it, it just like boggles my mind that this was kind of the entirety of her character, the way that it was written. Mm. And yet they, the casting and choice is so odd. Yeah, it like makes me question, if that's literally how she's written and that's meant to be a defining feature of her character, are we like that terrified to, or like in the 70s, were casting directors that terrified to have fat bodies on screens? That they were like, you, you're a size four instead of a size two. You can play the fat chick. Like, oh, come on. And just imagine the people watching it who are overweight. And they're going around and they're watching Jan go, oh, I need to be on a diet and everybody calling her fat. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, if she's getting that kind of treatment. Oh, man. Like, it's just not... On. Like, that's that's diet culture on steroids. 100%. Gross. Thumbs down to Jan not being fat. Number two might be the thing that made us laugh <laughs> the most while watching this film. Um, set the scene. We're at the drive-in. Danny's been an asshole 
this whole movie to Sandy. Like he's but he changed his tune in front of her and acted like a douche in front of his friends and then he's gone and he's danced with Cha Cha um and like upset her on so many different fronts and has been so hot and cold. And then like has literally just lied to her where she's been like, Oh, did you go with Cha Cha? And he's like, I didn't go with her i went with her something oh, it's weird. some poor grammatical loophole it's it's weirder than that because sandy says i can't believe you went with her and danny says i didn't go with her i went with her which is confirming what sandy just which accused is the same him of thing. basically he's he's lied to her face and then he gives her this freaking ring that he hits her in the process of taking off gives her this freaking ring and her words are, she says, I quote, This means so much to me because I now know that you respect me. Um, which, Sandy, 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 sweetheart. Let's take his actions on face value and not the <laughs> fact that he's just given you this freaking ring. Please. He's not been respectful. He's been a douche. Sandy... Dump his ass. Just, you're better than this. You're better than him. Oh, I now know that you respect me. And then literally the next scene, he tries to feel her up and she's really uncomfortable about it. And then she calls his car the sin wagon. So, I mean, so swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> I now know that you respect me. Because you gave me a ring. No, no, no. Sandy, Sandy. And if you're listening to this podcast at home, I think we can all sing along with our number one entry in the top ten things that aren't the word in Greece. I can't remember what we called it. (laughs) Um, Did she put up a fight? Tell me more. Tell me more. Did she put up a fight? There is no way to swing that line without it being rapey as all hell. Oh, it's real Ah! rapey. It's real rapey. It's so gross. Did she put up a fight? And, like, children sing this at, at, like, end of year showcases. Children are out there like, shoop up, up, shoop up, up. Did she put, oh, did she put up a fight? Disgusting. So normalized and just so, the fact that it's done so casually just makes you question a lot of things. Yeah. And it's like, it's yes, I guess it's a product of its time, but it's still gross. <laughs> oh man! And I think that's kind of the big question that I think about when we watch Greece and we talk about Greece. Is it's still put on today? So frequently. Why? Why Greece? Did we as a culture kind of latch onto and go? This is the thing that we want to keep reviving mm. and renewing and keep it alive yeah. in culture. I guess, so you and I just watched it before we started recording, Alice, and I guess I think I went in with more trepidation than was probably necessary. I haven't seen the movie or any stage version of it in ages, and I think I was ready to, like, sit there and hate it. I was too. I enjoyed it so much more than I expected to, and I don't know what it is. I I think it's the fact that the songs are absolute bops, like there's there are some serious tunes in there. As as overplayed as they are, 
summer nights, grease lightning, hopelessly mm. devoted to you. There are worse things I can do. They're like they, you're the one that I want. You're the one that oh, I, oh we'll get to that. A tune. Um, but like, they're all so good songs, and you kind of forget how good they are when they're so overplayed yeah. because you're just like, oh yeah, of course it's grease, it's fine. But when you actually like sit down and listen to them, the songs are actually really, they hold up yeah. a lot. And I think it's kind of like, it feels like almost just entertainment for entertainment's sake. It's it's fun, it's upbeat, it doesn't take itself particularly seriously, and it doesn't feel like it's at all heavy. It's it's fun, you there, know? There was a sequence that we'd both forgotten about where Danny is trying out <laughs> multiple sports, because he's, he's trying to impress Sandy, and he he tries like basketball and wrestling and baseball, and that sequence is really funny. Like watching John Travolta not know how to play basketball oh, is really funny. So I guess obviously this this movie and musical is beloved by multiple generations, and obviously it gets put on all the time. But there are such issues with the messages that it sends like it wasn't in our top 10 reasons why Greece isn't the word because it kind of is a little bit too obvious to even talk about but the fact that pretty much the story arc is that Danny and Sandy are on and off this whole time because they just come from different worlds and she's very like sweet and pure and he's a bit too much of a delinquent and so the way that that is resolved is the fact that she then becomes what she thinks that he wants and kind of dresses to to fit that caricature. She starts smoking, she starts mm. acting seductively. Yeah, which is everything that seems to go against who we've seen that she actually is and what she's actually comfortable with. That's, at its core, I think everyone can agree that that's probably something, regardless of whether or not it's, like a feminist critique, just from a social standpoint, don't change who you are for somebody um, because they should love you for who you are without having to change. I think that that notion probably predates like mainstream feminism. You know, that's that's problematic just on face value. And I think the film is so close to realising that it's an issue because you do have these moments where Danny is trying to kind of become the person that he thinks Sandy would want. Like, he's, he tries to become an athlete because mm. he thinks that she wants a guy who's, who's good at sports or, or something like that. And so there's all these hints that he is also trying to change or better himself mm. because he thinks that's what Sandy would want. But all of that is thrown out the window as soon as... Olivia Newton-John steps out in those the the leather pants or whatever, and he's just like, okay, cool, we're doing this now, <laughs> and then the movie just ends. <laughs> yeah, it was like there was going to be some level of give or take where they kind of met in the middle, and then they that notion went completely out the window, and she just swung the entire way in his direction, and he didn't have to change at all. There are a lot of moments in the film that are so close to getting it. Like there's a there's a really quite sweet scene where Kaniki and Danny um, are talking, and Kaniki wants Danny to be his his second at Thunder Road at the big race or whatever. <laughs> and, like, it's this real, really lovely scene of, like, two men who don't know how to be emotional with each other trying to express how much the other means to them. And it's, like, it's 
it's quite like cute and <laughs> they're both really nervous and they there's like a big hug and then of course they have to like break apart and cough and and do their Shake hair it off, yeah like no homo kind of thing and it's like so close to kind of understanding that that's the issue not the fact that Danny wears leather jackets and Sandy wears floor length skirts or whatever like that's not the issue it's, it's the fact that they don't know how to be honest and real with each other particularly like particularly the men mm. uh, don't know how to be emotional or honest with how they're feeling at all but it also doesn't make sense because at the beginning of the film Danny and Sandy fell in love anyway neither of them had to change because the other person wanted them to change they felt compelled to change by the society that they yeah. were in yeah that's so true Mm. And I think um, we were talking a lot as we were watching it about how much peer pressure um, is represented throughout the storyline and how much – and I guess it's a product of this kind of toxic culture, um, like the the toxic masculinity side of things and also the fact that the film really hams up also the kind of um, bitchy high school girl stereotype – um, I think the the toxicity of both of those camps kind of is the catalyst for for that. You're right. Like it's it's not them that has to change. It's the society that wants them to change. <laughs> but they change anyway, and by they we mean Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, I think what I'm curious to talk about is the fact that obviously there are so many problematic elements and we kind of see this film and this musical constantly being staged and no one really batting an eyelid about what's happening. And I kind of want to talk about the fact that not just Grease, but there are all of these shows that have really problematic plot lines or um, themes that are still put on and performed frequently and whether or not the company that is doing that needs to address that or whether it needs to have some sort of self-awareness in the, the way that it's presented or the way that it's directed or whether it's something that we realise this is where our society is at and we can just move past what is being put on stage. Like, what... Where do we sit on that? How do you feel about that, Alice? I, I think with Greece in particular, a huge part of it is just nostalgia. Yeah. Like the show is from the 70s being nostalgic about the 50s. And now I feel like whenever it's put on now, it's just people being nostalgic about the movie. Mm. And you kind of want to see a version of the movie 
on stage because it's just like intrinsically people are just yeah. just in, seem to enjoy it. Yeah. And I literally was watching it and being like, oh my God, that's a cute 50s outfit. Oh my God, that's a cute 50s outfit. Oh my God, I love her hair. Like part of me is like, I want to do Grease just for the costumes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because it it is a fun time and you don't really have to think about I mean you you should but you, you don't have to think about like what's going on the songs are good and and there are some really quite strong characters to follow so it, it's kind of just like a, a people pleaser mm. and I think with people pleasers people just don't seem to think about the implications of putting it on yeah. it, it's the same as like they they did a 50th anniversary tour of My Fair Lady which was the original staging and everything and I think it did really well because a lot of people went, oh, it's that very famous show from the 50s done as uh, done f- as it was 50 years ago. Let's mm. go see it. And there's a real nostalgia play in the success of that. And I wonder if people are afraid to change things because... Yeah, because of the nostalgia mm. associated. And I guess I wonder whether consciously or subconsciously continuing to stage stuff that has these really be it sexist be it homophobic be it misogynistic elements and themes whether that is something that then leeches back into the audience and into the community that is putting it on like can we really set stuff aside and be like oh no that's just what's being put on stage we don't agree with that um or is that something that say reaffirms to potentially more conservative audiences that they don't need to shift whatever you know sexist or homophobic sentiments they hold or potentially you know if this was a a high school production and um you know there were queer kids in the cast or crew who hadn't yet fully accepted or come to terms with their sexuality whether some of these like homophobic notions um were going to affect them or whether you know young men in these roles were going to see how cool i suppose this misogynistic toxic masculinity type persona is and kind of let that leach into their perception of of masculinity like should we be should we be more critical and aware of how these ideas that are you know potentially seen as harmless in a happy-go-lucky nostalgic production of a beloved musical could actually have wider more problematic repercussions I guess the notion that these things are harmless comes from the perspective of straight white men primarily mm. because if you watch Greece you do pretty all right <laughs> like great straight white men representation in it not only do you win the race but you get the girl and you drive off into the sky <laughs> like a king amongst men literally the sky and so <laughs> and from so from that perspective when that's kind of the defining voice particularly in terms of things that are are written or produced, then it is harmless. But if you're somebody who's sitting there, uh, like like the the Jan being called fat, even though she's a size mm. four or whatever, like that stuff might not 
um, directly impact you, but it would certainly like subconsciously yeah. impact somebody a lot. And I think particularly in institutions like schools, I think it, I mean, I don't want to say it's dangerous to put grease <laughs> on in schools, but like, is it a little because you're kind of just like reinforcing this notion in a time where people are developing as as humans mm-hmm. and trying to under gain an understanding for their relationships with themselves and one another. If your school, an institution that's supposed to be kind of safe and let you grow, is saying we're going to do the musical where the woman has to change to to make the man happy, mm. is that is that a thing that we should still be doing? I guess on the flip side, though, I do think that kids and kids in high school, I, I know that, you know, Grease gets put on outside of high schools, but it does seem to be a really popular production for like school and community groups. Um, I do think that kids in high school in 2020 are so much smarter and more aware of um these progressive and um these social justice concepts than we might otherwise give them credit for like i think um i get really excited about the fact that there are high schoolers and teenagers who are really well versed and really um understanding of like feminism for example um and i think that on some degree i want to give people who are doing this production credit that they can exercise their own judgment and be like yeah I get that this is an issue but also it's 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 a fictional work like this isn't who I am as a person um at what point do you say it's only a play exactly yeah but if you say it's only a play to everything like mm. Mm. it's such a it's such a tough line to draw I I guess we were kind of wondering at quite a few points throughout the movie, like, is this meant to be satire or is this just, are they actually genuinely committing to this really douchey bit? Part of me wonders that if it was kind of presented as more of a, not satirical, but a really hammed up over the top, version of it whether it would it would read as more self-aware and be a bit more self-critical of of the themes that the storyline is advancing like is the best way to put Greece on in 2020 to almost do a parody of yeah. Greece yeah yeah i i don't have any hard and fast answers around this i think it's a very nuanced um, question and I think it probably is sort of a case by case basis thing, you know. Especially with an example like Greece, where everyone's kind of aware that there are issues with it. It's not like this is new, groundbreaking territory that we're discussing. No, um, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> when we're like, yeah, we're doing a feminist podcast where we critique the feminist merits of various movies and musicals. Everyone's like, all right, so when's Greece happening? Episode two. Two. Hello, <laughs> welcome. Hi, you're listening to it right now. I want to talk about Rizzo. Let's talk about Rizzo. I love Rizzo. I think 
Rizzo needs to get more credit for being a badass. Granted, she is written as that sort of stereotypical, bitchy, um, mean high school girl, I guess. And I don't think the writing does her any favours in that regard. But on the other hand, she's very... She really claims her own sexuality and is really forthcoming with the fact that you know she has these like sexual desires and you know never claims to come across as somebody who doesn't experience that i suppose she so, never apologizes for no it. absolutely not and um there's this one like super badass bit where she like throws a milkshake in kaneki's face in the in the diner um and i do i do think it is problematic we were talking about it before whether there's an opposite of slut shaming like like virgin shaming yeah because she does that a lot <laughs> with sandy kind of is judgmental of her choices sexually or lack thereof no she's still making choices it's, it's just yeah. it's just a choice in the opposite direction and i, I on one hand i don't think that that promotes you know good um, relationships between women where you know it's kind of you do you boo and everyone gets <laughs> to <laughs> um, make their own choices about themselves but on the other hand she doesn't apologize for her sexuality and she doesn't apologize for um, the fact that she is an independent and strong-willed woman so I've got a lot of time for Rizzo Rizzo's great. I almost just accidentally called her Lizzo. Lizzo. <laughs> I also have a lot of time for Lizzo. I have more time for Lizzo than I do Rizzo. She also has one of the best songs in the show, and that helps. Like, um, There Are Worse Things I Can Do is a great tune. It's a bop. It's, it's a, bop. a real bop. It, it's a shame that some of the lyrics are a bit too centred on how she treats or relates to men. Because mm. there are definitely worse things that you could do than to flirt with somebody oh heavens to betsy that you <laughs> flirt with someone gracious <laughs> but she is she's very i i think the the interesting thing about rizzo not lizzo <laughs> the interesting thing about rizzo is that she has trouble expressing herself honestly mm. and I think all the characters do. Like it's just a, a product of of the society kind of where where caring about things isn't cool. Yeah. And everybody's so desperate to be cool otherwise you're nothing that they are terrified to be honest about how they feel yeah, and about to have like authentic connection with other people. Yeah. Like there is no example of like decent communication. <laughs> At any given point in this movie, I don't think. One could argue that the most straightforward conversation that somebody has in the film is the teen angel to Frenchie telling her, <laughs> you should go back to high school. Arguably. Which yeah. is also, a, like, slight tangent. The way that the movie handles that plot point is really weird because, <laughs> because Frenchie mentions that she's thinking about dropping out of high school to go to beauty school, and then the next time it's brought up is when she's like, well, I'm failing and I can't go to beauty school anymore. <laughs> and, like, what happened? How long has it, has it been? Yeah, it, like, gets to the end of the movie, and it's like, oh, it's end of senior year. And I'm like, what? It, it was an hour ago. It was the start of the – what is time? It moves so quickly. The timeline is so odd. Yeah. 
I, but I think also on there are worse things I could do. We had a slight tangent. It was not Sorry. uncommon to yours and my <laughs> conversations. Not on brand at all. No, absolutely not. I do think parts of it make a really good point. Like, yes, there are absolutely worse things that she could do than to like hook up with guys absolutely but then the things that she says as examples of the worst things are oh i could just flirt with them and then make them think that they stood a chance and then not see it through it's like no no they're actually bad things that you could do like to you know flirt with somebody and then not sleep with them is not morally reprehensible. <laughs> you could cut off funding to the World Health Organization. Oh, topical. 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 Going <laughs> to date when this was recorded. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You could um, not give uh, government assistance to artists during the coronavirus pandemic. You could um, cancel all events, but only after Hillsong has happened. <laughs> Honestly, though. Ellis, do you have any final thoughts about Greece and its feminist merits or lack thereof? Um, I guess one thing that I do want to say is taken out of context of the film, You're the One That I Want is kind of a perfect sequence. It's epic. The song is great. The choreography and the staging is really evocative and the performances by both of... uh, both John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John are awesome. And I was just watching it, and I'm like, this makes me happy to watch musicals, mm. except in context, <laughs> which it very much is, it's kind of awful. And I don't know how to feel about that. I don't have any hard and fast answers for you, but <laughs> but hot damn, like it's a great piece of like cinematic music theatre, isn't it? And also the fact that a lot of it is done in a single shot as yeah. well. And that whole... Oh, wait, actually, I'm also thinking of um, We Go Together as well, like the dance sequence at the end. But there's that one shot where Danny and Sandy are on that... Um, the, the the thing that's... The shake The shaky yeah. thing. And it's this very long shot and there are these guys off to the left who are just like really dramatically like clicking. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like shimmying around one another. And it's just... It's iconic. It's so beautiful. It's like pure musical theatre, but like just it, it filled me with a lot of joy. It was fantastic. And shout out to the dance move in Summer Nights when the guys are all standing on the bleachers and they all kind of like start shuffling in unison as Danny combs his hair. Oh. Really, really cool choreography. It's really sick, Corey. And it, I guess to me it's a shame that there are so many things that I quite like about Greece, but like fundamentally can't like mm. the show or the mu- or the, the, the film itself. Yeah, and and I think th- that's I think that kind of ties into why it's put on so much is because people do walk away from it feeling like they had a great time and yeah. really enjoying it until you start thinking about it yeah. in any way. I guess it almost comes down to what what purpose that you think theatre serves in whatever context that you're putting it on? Are you doing it to be a fun night out at the theatre where the audience get to walk away smiling and bopping and singing and where it gets to be like a good, you know, team-building experience and skills 
building experience or like showcase for your performers and your creatives or do you want your theatre in this circumstance to be something that is socially progressive and um, has some level of like political or social commentary and that you want to be something that is shaping your community or your society because in option A, Greece, great choice. Option B, <laughs> absolutely not. That's not what you want to be going for. Before we decide whether we write or ruin this, does Greece pass the Bechdel test? I mean, does Marty and Rizzo talking about the fact that they think that Rizzo is pregnant constitute a conversation not about a man? Because they don't talk about Kinnicky no. in that circumstance. That's the first instance that I think of. I just thought of Frenchie and the diner owner oh, yeah. talking about how talking Frenchie... Talking about their potential careers. Yeah. Just like there's a li- quite a little conversation and the diner owner is named, I just cannot remember it. It's like Bev or something. Something like that. One yeah. syllable, 50s. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but they do... Yeah, they do have a... Con- so I was actually ready to like just go, no, it definitely doesn't. They only talk about Danny or whatever. But mm. I actually think there, there are quite a few moments with the women. There's also the... Um, she might even be the principal, the woman that talks over the PA all the time and has a female assistant as well, although I don't know whether they both have names. I'm sure. I think they do. But they chat and the, her assistant plays the xylophone. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it's fun. We, we had a... Um, to date this even more specifically, we're recording this on my 28th birthday. Happy birthday, Ellis. Thanks, Mim. And watching Greece, I had a moment where I'm like, I, I had to ask Mim if it was a sign that I was getting older at how much I related to all the <laughs> teachers in Greece. Because all the teacher characters, like, A+. Plus. Like, <laughs> like, the principal, she's great. Her assistant is great. The coach is really, like... Bless him. Like passively aggressively sarcastic, and I love him. <laughs> uh, and the the shop teacher who who's a woman, which actually surprised me. Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of like nice that the the T birds had a good female role model that they didn't instantly demean and sexualize. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, like all the teachers are quite cool in this movie, and and yeah, the, there's a surprising amount of conversations between women that aren't about men, mm. which genuinely surprised me one last thought ellis irrelevant to feminism but really relevant to you because you feel really strongly about this tell us your feelings towards the character of sunny (laughs) (laughs) like anytime he came on screen ellis was like oh i hate this guy he's so annoying he's so annoying like everything he does is like he's 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 Every instance of toxic masculinity, like, <laughs> ramped up to 11 billion. And he just irritated... He also looked... Like, he and the principal had a conversation at the same time, and they looked <laughs> the same age. Like, oh, she man. might have even looked a little younger than him. And the thing, the thing that really annoyed me is that uh, the entire time, he and Marty... Marty? Yeah. Yeah, it's Marty, not Marta. Marty. Mm. Um, it's not sound music, despite the fact that... One of the T-Birds looks like Rolf. Looks like Rolf. Um, He and Marty, uh, like, she has been, like, constantly rebuffing him. Anytime he comes anywhere near her, she's like, no way, I've got 
better things to do with my time. And then at the end, they are inexplicably paired up together. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you deserve so much better than that, Marty. He Sonny is-, is annoying and a jerk. Just a jerk. And, like, I get that the T-Birds are supposed to be, like, a little bit, like, annoying, those goofy side characters or whatever, but he was the only one that, like, actively irritated me every (laughs) time he came up on screen. So, Ellis, the moment of truth on this week's episode of Feminism Ruins Everything, a feminist podcast, are we going to, as feminists, rate or ruin Grease, the musical and movie? I'm going to have to ruin it. Yeah. I think it's... Like, no amount of absolute bops <laughs> are going to make up for those really questionable themes and story arcs. Yeah. And the one-liners. Oh. Did she put up a fight? Oh. Will forever haunt me. Anything Sonny says. <laughs> it, it's Everything is just horrid from that person, character's mouth. And... um. Like I, I think I, again, it's it's weird because we we have to admit that we had a good time watching the film, mm. but at the end of the day, I'm just like I don't think I can like it. There are too many things wrong with it. There are too many things that just make me feel icky. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I'm just like I think there there are much better ways that you can tell this kind of story. I think I was saying that maybe be more chill is a really good musical alternative to it because, again, it, like, focuses on, like, high school things, uh, mm. particularly from, like, a, a toxic masculinity standpoint, but yeah. it, like, addresses all the things that Greece refuses to Yeah, do. something like Heather's as well Heather's. is really, like, it's, again, like, the, the high school clique stereotypes, etc., but also delves into, like, really is critical of toxic masculinity, is really... Uh, self-aware and self-referential about like toxic relationships and stuff um so you can absolutely have a high school based movie musical that has some serious tunes that doesn't necessarily have to be problematic as heck (laughs) i mean you could even argue um that something like high school musical is a better example. I mean, a lot of people say that that's just Greece with the the rough edges taken out. And I'm like, but when you take out the rough edges from <laughs> Greece, you're left with the good bits. Yeah. So I just think if you want that kind of thing that you get from Greece, I think you can find it in places that address the issues a lot yeah. better. Yeah. So if you're somebody who loves Greece, sorry. Tell us why, though. Like, let mm, us know why. Absolutely. If you rate Greece, particularly on a feminist level, uh, we'd love to hear why, your yeah. thoughts. Leave a comment. Do we do that in podcasts? Yeah, you could find us on our Facebook page or Instagram Ooh. at Feminist. Ru- feminist? That's not what it's called. At Feminism Ruins Everything Pod or on Facebook, Feminism Ruins Everything, colon, a feminist podcast. Let us know what you think of Greece. And um, maybe we can chat more about... Or if you have put on a production of Greece, tell us why. If anybody's put on a production of Greece and addressed <gasps> the issues in it, please let us know yeah. what you did, how you did it. We want to know everything. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, pals, for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Feminism Ruins Everything, a feminist podcast. See you later. 
Bye. Feminism ruins everything. It's a feminist podcast.